Hello, Barry Winbolt here again with another podcast in the series Get a Better Handle on Life. I'm coming to you confidently today from my home studio and I've been thinking a lot lately about confidence partly because I have recently written um, a short program for an app that I do work for. And by the way, I recommend the Live More, that's L-I-V-E-M-O-R-E app. It's all free. And there's a load of stuff to help with your self-development and your level of confidence and many other things that you might stumble across in life and need a little bit of advice or guidance with. They've done a brilliant job with this app. And by the way, they're not my sponsors, folks. I just think it's a really good product, and so I recommend it. And what I really like about it, it's entirely free. So uh, take a look, live more. Download the app from the iTunes Store or from um, Google Play, I guess, one of those. I'm not an Android person, so I wouldn't know. And uh, take a look at the, the Live More app and uh, put it on your phone and grab yourself a bargain, really. There's loads of stuff on it. Anyway, I've got a track on there about confidence and uh, a little bit of reading, extra reading as well. And it's got me thinking about something that's cropped up a lot in my working life over the years. 20 or 30 years now, 26 years, I think, and counting, I've been uh, a stand-up presenter. And when I started out, I was rubbish. And the feedback suggests that over the years, I got quite a lot better at it. I certainly got very happy with it. I really enjoyed it. And since I no longer do that, mainly because of uh, the traveling involved, and I just couldn't keep up with the pace of life as I got much older. But equally, uh, lockdown, of course, has put the kibosh on any live events anyway. So uh, it's not happening for that reason. So in my training career, one of the things that cropped up time and time again, and I would be prepared to say pretty well every event I did, certainly every event where I asked people at the outset, what did they want to get out of the day or the workshop, the session, whatever it happened to be. And then I'd put their comments on a flip chart, as we trainers like to do. And guess what? Number one, pretty well every time. Occasionally, number two, confidence came out time and time again. I want to feel more confident about X, whatever it happened to be, usually relating to the topic I was training people in on that particular occasion. So we really, it seems, held back by a perceived lack of confidence. And I got to reading more about it, studying more and writing a lot more on it. And I've produced several products. I'm in the process now of producing an online course uh, on my teachable school, which will talk about how to be more confident. And there are exercises and other things going into that, which will help you do that. But for now, here are a few thoughts on how to be more confident, what holds us back, and... I'll give you some steps to take if you want to build your confidence. And along the way, I might make a little diversion into self-esteem, who knows, and um, then wrap up with a few tips and hints.
So let's start with a question, like so many of these things do. And that question is, what does confidence mean to you? See, confidence is an abstract concept, isn't it? You can't pick it up, you can't paint it, you can't put it in a wheelbarrow or carry it home with you. It's something that is about us and within us. It's an air, it's a thing we put on, a thing we feel, whatever it happens to be. But it's different for every person. And thus, it is an abstract concept. It doesn't mean any single thing to the whole world. If you look at a brick, you know it's a brick. But you look at confidence, could be arrogance, could be self-assuredness, could be a cover-up, could be somebody doing the window dressing, as I used to do when I first started training. And by the way, one of those short detours that I so often indulge in, here's one coming now. When I started out as a presenter, I was not good at it. In fact, the first time I ever did it, it was in Paris, and I had my American bosses sitting in the front row, feeding bits of paper to me up on the rostrum. Your tie's crooked. Speak up, whatever it happens to be. It was a, a pretty uh, dispiriting and discouraging occasion, I have to say. It was about another four years before I ever did any live show again, any public speaking, and I was rubbish. I put the whole room to sleep by about two o'clock in the afternoon. Admittedly, it was after lunch, but I think I was too intent on getting too much material in. I was probably boring. I've got a pretty flat voice if I don't work on it, and that's soporific, people tell me. I am, after all, a hypnotherapist, so, uh, you know, maybe there's something in that. But either way, I needed to sort myself out. So I went and found a drama teacher, as it happened. I just asked around in the town I lived in, and it so happened that I bumped into uh, one of my son's drama teacher at school. And uh, we stood in this village hall, and uh, she said, what do you want? And I said, I want to appear more confident, and I want to clean up my presentation style. I want to look and sound authoritative and listenable to. I don't want to lose my audience. And she said, well, I've never done anything like this. I'm not sure what to say to you. And I said, well, why don't you just watch me doing what I do and then point out what you think could be changed? And we did that twice. We had two one hour or so sessions together. And then I was released back into the wild, as it were. And it grew from there. But I also made a point, every single show, and I've done literally thousands of talks now, I must have done over the years, certainly many, many hundreds. Every single event that I did, I set myself a target. So I decide I wanted to get a laugh in the first 10 minutes, for example. Or on another occasion, some of the feedback was coming back at the end of each day, each gig I did, was saying that I wasn't a good listener. Well, I took this on board. In actual fact, I think I was listening, but I was so excited about my subject, I would cut people off. And that gave some people the impression that I wasn't listening. I'd also usually heard the questions before a thousand times because I'd done it so often, so I was perhaps anticipating. And to that extent, I wasn't listening effectively. So I honed my listening style when I was live, when I was on stage. And about six months later, I was at a theatre in South London doing a, an all-day workshop, and somebody came to me and he said, I've noticed 
that you listen really well. I'd like to study it because I'm doing a university degree, blah, 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 and it's on communication. So he wanted to actually come along and learn about how I develop my listening style. Now, I say this not to brag. I say it because I'm confident as a presenter, but I'm trying to explain also it was a learning process. And I didn't just become confident. I went out there, did stuff, made mistakes, honed it, improved it, went away once or twice and got some training for myself to make sure I was stronger in certain areas or better at doing things. Above all, I looked at dozens of other speakers who I admired, whom I admired, and picked up hints and tips. I noticed, for example, that comedian and actor, musician Billy Connolly is a hugely entertaining guy, very accomplished performer, and he uses his whole body when he's telling jokes. He's a very physical presenter. Somebody else I noticed had a particular expression on his face when he was listening. I didn't copy that, but I think that I picked up one or two pointers from that way of paying attention to people. So what I'm describing here is a growth process, is starting out with an idea of being better at something, doing the practice, doing the experiential bits, having a few failures along the way, learning from them, and confidence grows. Now, I still get nervous when I go out and do talks occasionally. I pretty much block, block it out, but nevertheless, I'd be an idiot if I wasn't. I'm possibly an idiot even if I am nervous, but that's another question. I get out there and do the show, and I love it. I love the live audience. I love the interaction because the day belongs to them. So that takes me out of myself, and I become, I think, an effective presenter. Well, that's certainly what the feedback has said. So what confidence meant to me in that regard was being able to be good at a specific thing. And in this case, it was presenting to a live audience. What does it mean to you? How will you know when you are being more confident, when you are, if you can get this thing called confidence, what will it enable you to do? What will it enable you to look like, sound like, feel like? How will you know when you're developing it? Most people at least some of the time, have felt unsure about themselves or doubted their abilities. Often this takes the form of what we say is lacking confidence or being underconfident. In some people, this can become a mantra which holds them back from realising their potential. At an even more basic level, feeling underconfident can mean weaker social ties, poorer prospects in relationships, career, and even in life itself. But there's another way of looking at the problem of low confidence. See, one of the things I think we've got wrong is that we haven't really approached it from what I'd call uh, an experiential viewpoint. If you think about what's happening in you when you feel underconfident, and you know what feeling more confident means to you, 
And in fact, if you just know what that word confidence means to you, if you could replace it with another word, what word would you choose if the word confidence didn't exist? All of these point to the idea that self-awareness is the first step in becoming more confident. And I think one of the th one of the mistakes that has been made in recent years particularly is this belief that you can kind of bestow confidence on somebody with praise or encouragement or pushing them a little bit. And actually that can have, as we will see, that can have the wrong effect. It can have, it can undo the good that you're trying to do. Let's consider a few key ideas about confidence. We're all confident to some degree about some, some things. Even the, the least confident person is confident about something, even if they're entirely certain that they lack confidence. There's a feeling of confidence about lacking confidence. They're certain about it. Another point is that success builds confidence. It's not the other way around. You don't get confident from reading a self-help book or doing a course or listening to a podcast and then suddenly, magically, you go out and shine. You have to go out, you have to take the falls, the trips, the failures, the self-doubt and go through that and you build confidence that way. Successful people often don't feel confident. We've also leaned on this notion of self-esteem far too much over the last generation or so, as though everybody deserves to feel good about themselves. Do they? The problem with feeling good about yourself, I mean, a psychopath can feel good about themselves, but does that make it the right thing to do? Self-esteem isn't a birthright. It has to be learned and earned. And just being high in self-esteem can actually have the opposite effect. It can lead to narcissism, for example, or uh, crime. So high self-esteem isn't necessarily a predictor for success, but it could also encourage the sort of behaviour that we want to discourage in young people. I'll tell you about the research later on that. And uh, actually, I'll put a link in the, in the blurb about the episode as well. You'll find a link there. So if you're blaming your lack of progress on a lack of confidence, you're probably wrong. Lack of confidence might be your explanation, but it won't be the cause. It may have stopped you going out there and trying to do the stuff that would make you feel more confident or more successful, but it wasn't lack of confidence that prevented you being unsuccessful in something or that held you back. It was the fact that you didn't overcome the natural and normal self-doubts that we all feel. While you're waiting to become confident, expecting it somehow to spring out of inspiration or the woodwork or something, a lot of things don't get done and time is wasted. If you plan well, you start small, stop listening to doubt and you'll get there. The skills can be developed or, if necessary, learned in some cases. And like any development, it takes a little commitment and possibly even discomfort. That's what learning is all about. So confidence is a concept that includes different aspects of our experience. It means different things to different people. 
it can never be an accurate description of what it actually means to you or me because it's entirely, it's entirely idiosyncratic. It's individual in each of us. So for each of us, confidence has its own meaning. In the sense that it's being used here, that I'm using it, it's the ability to feel safe and secure enough to act in a certain way. We say we're underconfident when we feel uncertain or unsure about something or when it feels unsafe to proceed. Author and psychologist Daniel Goleman, you remember he wrote Emotional Intelligence, published back in the late 1990s, still in print, still doing very well. Goleman's definition of confidence is a strong sense of one's self-worth and capabilities. There's a clue in there, isn't there? Capabilities, trying something, doing stuff. Looking at it from this perspective, Developing confidence goes hand in hand with valuing yourself and feeling that you are capable. How do you develop feelings of capability? Well, you have to do things, don't you? To move from a state where you lack confidence to a place where you feel safe and secure enough to act in a certain way means an element of risk. Confidence is built on success, but you won't have success if you're held back by those old doubts. So to recap then, confidence is very idiosyncratic. The idea of what that word means to each of us is entirely individual in each of us. So a good starting point is to decide what that word means to you. And when you have it, when you have some of that confidence, what will that enable you to do? And along the way, what will be the first green shoots of your budding confidence? How will you know as your confidence starts to improve? A second point is that confidence doesn't naturally lead to success. It's the other way around. You have to have successes in life in order to build your confidence. And if you're going to have successes, you've got to do things. So it means being active, it means being out there, and it means taking steps to do things which make you feel good and make you feel you have achieved something, even if it's only in a very small way. Success in this context doesn't mean saving a thousand people from starvation or inventing a new wonder drug. It can be something as small as having a good day because you've helped somebody do something or you've actually achieved a small measure of success for you personally. So, for example, if you are held back by, say, extreme anxiety and you can't leave the house, success might be opening the front door and looking out and calming your breathing. Every success has its own merits and every bit of success you achieve, as long as you recognise it, will help to build your sense of self and your sense of self-worth. So if you want to raise your level of confidence, start by recognising your abilities and strengths and by doing things which create a sense of achievement. Those first few steps may feel uncomfortable, but do it anyway. And I think that's the third point I'd make about confidence, that confident people do not escape without feeling worried, anxious or nervous or unsure. They have bad days like everybody else. They just don't let those things hold them back. Now, 
it's a question of, I can only speak about my own experience in this. I might decide on some days that actually I'm feeling rubbish today. Maybe I'm tired or I've been overworked or I've had a bad day for some other reason. And it may not be the best time to tackle a complex task. I don't feel confident on that day. But that lack of confidence, if you want to call it that, is rooted in self-appraisal and being able to judge that actually today isn't the best day. I'll do it another day when I'm on better form. And that's particularly true with something like this, recording a podcast, for example, or, or making videos or doing a public performance. Now, you can't always choose. Sometimes you just have to get out there and do it anyway. And that's what a confident person will do. But if you want to give your best, then you give yourself the best chance and the best shot. So as I was saying, the third point I'd mention is that confident people do it anyway. They don't wait till they feel confident, despite the nerves or the stage fright or whatever it happens to be, the self-doubt, they get on and do it anyway. We all have talents, skills and abilities. Even the person who's filled with self-doubt has some positive qualities they've overlooked. Unfortunately, certainly in the culture I live in and many similar cultures, recognising our own good points doesn't come naturally. In some cultures it's actively discouraged. Some cultures prize modesty above all else. Don't stand out whatever you do. Coupled with that, most of us tend to focus too much on our perceived mistakes and failings, both of which can discourage self-belief and recognition of our self-worth. Worse than that, they can develop into habits of thinking which become, in effect, self-fulfilling prophecies. So where do you start? If you want to build your confidence, I think the first thing is to accept yourself uncritically. We have to put aside the judgmentalism that many of us have grown up with. Fear of failure, fear of getting it wrong. Be comfortable with having the odd setback and the odd failure. The last thing you need is to carry around an internal critic who's constantly judging you. Self-acceptance means saying, OK, I am what I am, without allowing negative or judgmental thoughts to creep in and swamp you. To increase your confidence, a good starting point is to make an inventory of the things you're good at. These may be skills learned in childhood or more recently acquired talents. There are surely some you've forgotten about. And remember, it's not the size of the success that matters. It's simply things that you have been good at in your life or possibly are still good at. Revisit these skills often and do more of the things that make you feel positive about yourself. Making an inventory can also include your character strengths. So ask around. See what others appreciate in you. And by the way, I recommend the VIA character... I think it's called the VIA Character Strengths Inventory. It'll help you identify your 20-something top character strengths. It's a free survey. It's on the web. And the link is in the description 
of this episode. So develop a habit of appreciating the dozens of daily little successes you have. They don't have to be major achievements. It's about realising the wealth of self-affirming things that you do each day, but which you overlook. Training your mind to look out for the daily successes can start to counter the habit of focusing on perceived shortcomings and failures. And what you're doing is in fact retraining the mind. The more you do that, the easier it gets. In the same way, learning new things develops new skills and shifts the mind away from self-criticism and open to growth. Mastering something new, even if it's a tiny thing like mowing the lawn or cutting your fingernails, doing something well feeds directly into confidence and indirectly it allows the mind to focus on possibilities. Now I'm being a bit flippant about fingernails and lawn mowing, but you get my drift every time. You give the mind a new challenge. Every time you do something, especially if there's physical effort involved, movement of some sort, then you're beginning to reprogram yourself towards possibilities, learning and openness to new experiences. If you're constantly held back by fear and uncertainty, that's going to be harder to do. You have to push the boundaries a little bit and start to learn about taking risks and that it's okay in the event that you fail. Once you've decided to do what it takes to become more confident, decide first what your new confidence will allow you to do. Create a vision and hold on to it. Use it as a guiding star. Some people actually create a vision board so they got something physical to move towards and to revisit each day. By the way, there's something on my blog at www.barrywinbolt.com on how to make a vision board if you're interested. So in some sort of summary then, do things that make you feel more confident about who you are, train the mind to accept you as you are, learn to recognize and appreciate your daily successes and seek out opportunities for new learning and personal growth. You might have to push yourself a little bit. Confident people have bad days and doubt themselves too, but they don't let it stop them. If necessary, they push themselves to take the steps they must take to reach their goals and ambitions. Becoming more confident is not an intellectual exercise. It's about taking action. You have to do things. You have to push yourself a little to get past the doubts, fears and uncertainties that have been holding you back. Learning anything new takes a little time and repetition. Inevitably, it also feels a little strange and uncomfortable. And surely that's part of the process. Such discomfort isn't a reason to stop. It's proof that you're moving towards something new. As your confidence increases, you'll forget about it and look towards your new horizons. I hope this has given you a few pointers. It's not really intended to be a perfect recipe. It's intended to G you up a bit, shake up your ideas, and hopefully start from a new perspective with regard to building more confidence. My experience, my personal experience has shown me how to do it, but also experience with many, many people, hundreds of people throughout my career in terms of helping them become better at being them. And I think that is really a good starting point. 
We don't measure ourselves in terms of somebody else's success or somebody else's model of what makes a successful person. We measure ourselves in terms of our own code of conduct, our own moral code, our own value system. So work towards being the best version of you that you can be and be satisfied with that and stay with it. That doesn't mean you don't have to work if you want to to be better, but you won't get anywhere if you constantly hold yourself back by beating yourself up for not having become good enough yet. So that's all from me. If you found this useful, pass it on to somebody else. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. Remember too that I'm always really happy to take questions and comments. You can email me at info at barrywinbolt.com and I will respond certainly by email and I'll probably build it into a future podcast as well, unless you tell me not to. And by the way, it's all anonymous. So, Barry Winbolt, signing off. That's all from me for now. Over to you and over and out.